Let me be explicit. Right now, in this podcast, there's some explicit language. It's Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022. From Peachfish Productions, it's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca. The hearings into Katanji Brown Jackson's qualifications to serve on the Supreme Court continue today when one of America's keenest legal minds is before you. It's incumbent that you query them on the most vexing conundra of the day, and that is why Senator Tom Cotton, Republican of Arkansas, asked this question when given the chance. Do you think we should catch and imprison more murderers or fewer murderers? Well, Senator, it's very important that people be held accountable for their crimes. Uh, so that is a fundamental uh, tenet of the rule of law. All right. Seems that he nailed her down as having a murder is bad, therefore we should catch the murderer's position. But apparently the senator wanted further clarification. So is that a yes, we should catch more murderers? Specifically, the 46% of murderers who get away with it? Well, Senator, that 46% would be the only available pool of murderers to catch, considering that everyone else is in the 54% who were caught or are not murderers. I mean, how do you handle a question like that? Or another line of questioning that Cotton engaged in about what's the right sentence for a rapist? Actually, Katanji Brown Jackson had a very nice way to answer it. It's not that they're difficult questions. It's that they're not questions for me. I am not the Congress. I am not making policy around sentencing. Less sarcastic than I would have been. She's clearly a patient and kind person, as even the Republican senators noted. But Tom Tillis, Tom Tom here on The Gist. We just did Cotton, now Tillis. Tillis wondered if all that niceness made her ill-suited for the Supreme Court seems as though you're a very kind person and that there's at least a level of empathy that enters into your treatment of a defendant that some could view as a uh, uh, maybe beyond what some of us would be comfortable with with respect to administering justice. The judge disputed that very politely, which may have been a mistake. That'd be the time to rip into him, or better yet, rip into Ted Cruz. That would have answered Tillis's questions. Tillis, Republican of North Carolina, at one point said, yeah, just, just you got to see it our way here. Can, can you understand how somebody uh, who, uh, from our side of the aisle, could see that maybe um, there is some pattern to give the benefit of the doubt to someone who has been incarcerated, in some cases, with very serious crimes? We are, Judge Brown. We, the Republicans, we're a cold-hearted lot. Lindsay's angry, Josh, total sociopath, and Ted, you can see we all think he's kind of a dick, right? You're picking that up, right? And you seem nice, which could be a problem. Huh. So I am mocking certain members of the Republican Party, and I do have to say that others, like Mike Lee, certainly grill Judge Jackson on issues like abortion and the rights in the West, issues important to him and his constituents and his party. But Mike Lee was clearly intelligent. And Ben Sass showed, dare I say, some charm in his approach. I can also see why a conservative might regard Cory Booker's tale of sitting alone in a room with the ghosts of his ancestors as something to be mocked. I thought it was, you know, pretty touching. Or 
a conservative might regard as a might indulgent. The fact that Sheldon Whitehouse spent 13 minutes during his presentation before he even asked his first question. If I'm trying to be fair or consistent, I would note that I happen to like Sheldon Whitehouse's concern about dark money. Don't like the dark money, like that he's raising the concern, but it wasn't strictly speaking germane to a SCOTUS confirmation. The last day of judiciary hearings is tomorrow. The committee will hear from outside witnesses, including the American Bar Association. I will preview their official position on murderers. Murderers are bad, and we should catch them. On the show today, I spiel about opera news. Consider it an opera ed of the air. The charge centering a white person in what should be a black story, say, Aria activists. But first, the Senate confirmation hearings of Katanji Brown Jackson did focus to an unusual degree on the sentences she's handed out to people who possessed child porn. Why? Well, as Ted Cruz noted repeatedly and without giving Judge Jackson a time to respond, she gave the lightest sentences allowable by law and child pornography is horrible. So not punishing child pornographers or possessors thereof is horrible too. But there is something specific about this horrible crime. It is and has become a big cause for QAnon conspiracists. Therefore, a Republican politician who decries light sentencing can claim to have zero knowledge that it's also a big cause for QAnon conspiracists, while at the same time earning points among QAnon conspiracists who vote too. Works out pretty well, huh? QAnon seemed kooky until it seemed dangerous, and the same can be said for other types of conspiracy theorists, even the kookiest, the really old school ones who believe in a flat earth. So we are going to take the complete 180 view of the flat earthers with Kelly Wheel, author of Off the Edge, Flat Earthers, Conspiracy Culture, and Why People Will Believe Anything. here to tell you about one of the most attractive automobiles you're ever going to lay your eyes on. And it's not just how good it looks. It's everything that can do. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior, which won me over, is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing. The interior is built with integrity using the most robust of materials. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. The Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. Cargo capacity means you got room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to do what you do via your intellect, via your passions in life. It is to explore with greater confidence. Ready for a wide range of adventures? The Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, the Defender 130 that seats up to eight. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. 
Flat earthers are something of the er conspiracists, the conspiracy that all makes us laugh because it's so ridiculous. And we think it's mostly benign, but it's not. Kelly Wheel has written about flat earthers in her new book, Off the Edge, Flat Earthers, Conspiracy Culture, and Why People Will Believe Anything. Kelly, welcome to The Gist. Thanks so much for having me. The book starts with a person, Mike Hughes, a character. Is that how your reporting on this started? You know, my reporting on this started just as a passive observer. I've always liked hanging out in the weird corners of the internet and I've sort of made a career of it as a reporter in the Daily Beast. And around 2017, I started noticing people posting about Flat Earth and other online circles I I monitor. And I thought they were joking. I didn't think there was any chance people really believed that. So I spent a couple years digging into it, and I found that they really, really do believe it, and it's a, it's a larger movement than you would expect. Yeah, and they do believe it, and it is pernicious. I mean, it bleeds over into the conspiracy theories that we know are really dangerous, like QAnon. But even if not, I mean, you chronicle, it's, it's often unpleasant to be a flat earther or to tangle with the flat earthers or to be, you know, part of this, a breakaway sect of flat earthers. It's not all fun and flatness. <laughs> It's not. You know, I've always, it's easy to think Flat Earth is funny, and sometimes I still do find it funny, but I've found that it actually causes a lot of harms to the believers themselves. Um, It's a very alienating theory. People who get into it often become distanced from friends and family. I've met people who've lost jobs because they wouldn't stop going on about it. And I've actually met a couple people, as you alluded to, with Mike Hughes, who've uh, lost their lives for conspiracy beliefs. Yeah. Or I was thinking about the people who were flat earthers and then other flat earthers came for them because they weren't perfect flat earthers. And it seems really toxic. It does. You know, to that effect, you would think that in a small community like that, you would take all the allies you can get. But unfortunately, right. you would think it's a small world after all, and one with four <laughs> definable corners and possibly a dome around it. That's right. <laughs> uh, but no, it's uh, what's what's funny about that is um, you think regular YouTube drama is bad. Just wait until you get into the YouTube drama where people call each other CIA agents and lizards. And that's the real nasty stuff. And it happens in, in this uh, community. Is it a gateway conspiracy theorist or does the gate go in the other direction? Like sometimes you'll find people believe in the pandemic, first of all, and then they become flat earthers. I think it's a bit of a two way street. I don't know if I've met anyone who's jumped headlong into flat earth without previously believing any conspiracy beliefs. Um, I know a lot of people who got into flat earth via 9-11 trutherism, actually. Um, But that's not to say that people arrive at flat earth and don't go anywhere else. I've seen a lot of flat earthers uh, start to dip their toes in QAnon-like stuff or vaccine denial, pandemic, as you said. So there's uh, a lot of interchange between these beliefs, and I think that's on the upswing as well. What's the lure of this that maybe differs from the lure of the other conspiracy theories? And I'll lay out what I think of as either what I know or the standard thinking about conspiracy theories. The world is a complicated place and we as human beings long for order. We also see patterns. We also like communities. And sometimes we have something going on in our own lives. So add all those factors and a simple compelling narrative is often enough to get us to believe in it and then to identify with it as a person and then you're hooked. So if that's the normal thing, how does Flat Earth adhere to that or differ? 
I think it adheres to it in um, in many ways, in many of the most extreme ways. You know, you can be a conspiracy theorist in ways that are a little tamer, right? You can be into the JFK assassination and still live a pretty normal life and your values align with reality. Flat Earth appeals to people who want an alternate explanation of the entire world. It's almost like a religion and how broad and sweeping it is of an ideology. So people go looking for this wild alternate answer. And to your point that sometimes they do have something missing in their lives, they are looking for community, which is what Flat Earth offers. Um, And it becomes part of their identity. It becomes something that they really militantly align with. um, And it, it, it really colonizes their lives in a certain way. Comparing just the production values or the enticement, the allure of flat earth videos on YouTube, and you point to, you know, pre-2014 and post-2014 as uh, a big change based on how many people got into flat earth and the, which exactly corresponds to the rise of YouTube. So if you look at the flat earth content out there, is it like, be very, be totally agnostic. Would you say it's as compelling as the 9-11 stuff, as the QAnon stuff, um, or, I mean, it's very hard knowing knowing as we do that the earth is round, but, you know, can you judge it just on the merits as uh, a piece of propaganda? You know, it's tough because I think these arguments are compelling to different people. And what I'll say is that nobody gets into a conspiracy theory just on the merits alone, at least nobody who's done earnest research into it, because these arguments are not logical beneath the surface. They're not factual. Flat Earth can easily be debunked. Um, But for people who already want to believe these theories, and there's a whole buffet of them, you can find the one that supports your prior beliefs, and you will sort of uh, be able to mold your thinking around whatever is being proposed in a YouTube video. So to that end, if you were already kind of open-minded to Flat Earth, you can find some relatively compelling information in a YouTube video. You'll see people run what look like scientific experiments, and if you don't have the scientific know-how or, frankly, the um, skepticism to go do that yourself or to do some fact-checking, you can accept it on face value. Um, But what I would challenge people to do is, you know, actually go and fact check those videos because they none of them hold up to scrutiny. Yeah. What do they say about um, there's a picture of the Earth from outer space? What's the answer to that? Oh, just that it's fake, you know, and that's the that's the frustrating thing about um, trying to debate flat Earth is you are not uh, holding both sides to the same standards of evidence. Right. Uh, I can show evidence and. Flat earthers will say that's fake and it's actually part of the conspiracy to discredit us and therefore it's actually evidence for our side, which is ridiculous. I'm, I'm not going to make the same argument uh, on, on their behalf. And so it, it does turn into more of a semantic game than any kind of scientific debate. You know, the anti-vax community does have, you know, actual bona fide scientists in it. They, you know, I don't know if they're uh, lying or misinterpreting the data. I look at a guy like Robert Malone who did, you know, he did work on the RNA vaccine and maybe he's somewhat lying. It seems mostly motivated by uh, psychology. 
But as I read about the flat earth community, you do note that, you know, at least Mike Hughes, this guy who died, and we'll get into that, said to have an IQ of 136. Okay, that's pretty high. Um, But I, I did notice a lack of people with um, establishment scientific credentials. Did you? Yeah, there are not so many established scientists in Flat Earth. Most of the leaders uh, are, you know, they're, they come out of social media. A lot of them are religious figures. I've uh, got a number of Flat Earth pastors. And there are people who claim to have certain degrees. Uh, you know, I was talking to one Flat Earth pastor who has a master's degree. So it's not to say that they are uneducated, but... Uh, I don't think anybody from a legitimate scientific field can make this argument in earnest. Yeah, I think I think not. Um, but it's also interesting that they just don't exist. That's not one of their that's not one of their arguments. Like many of these argu- other arguments, you know, the nine eleven truthers had a lot of you know engineers who would go on about the uh, tensile strength of steel. I mean, that doesn't mean that they had an insight as to whether it was an inside job or not, but those people really were engineers. I didn't see that in the flat earth thinking. No, and I think, you know, there there is something to be said for just how extreme flat earth is. It's um, it's so out there that it does drive away all but the most committed believers. And there were reasons why I liked that as a case study in conspiracy theories. You know, it really was proof that people could believe anything. But the opposite side of the coin there is that um, you don't get maybe the more cynical voices, the anti-vax uh credentialed people, shall we say. Um, So it doesn't work exactly like 9-11 truth or vaccine hesitancy movements. Do flat earthers think the horizon is the edge of the world? Um, Not exactly. (laughs) So there are some differing models within the flat earth theory, but broadly what they believe is that we live on a flat disc like a frisbee. There's a ring of ice around the outside, and then there's a dome covering it all, almost like a big snow globe. So what they think of the horizon is just the edge of what you can see with the naked eye, but they don't think that it's the edge of what you can see because that's the Earth's curvature, which is what conventional wisdom and established fact says, but just that you can't see any further. And they think that if you get a strong enough telescope or a strong enough laser, you can see or illuminate the horizon indefinitely. Do they believe in other planets? Most do not. The prevailing wisdom right now in Flat Earth, although again, there are variations, is that there's actually nothing outside the dome, that this is the entire reality. It's enclosed in here with us. There's nothing outside Earth. So for that matter, you know, people ask me, well, how do Flat Earthers explain the moon landing? I say they don't believe in the moon, at least not the way that you and I do. They think it's a little light in the sky and everything surrounding the moon landing was faked. Do they believe God made the dome? Yes. <laughs> There's uh, quite a lot of biblical literalism in flat earth right now. It doesn't need to be that way. You know, they've had authors of various uh, tendencies over the past 150 years, but it's traditionally been a religious movement and a very, uh, a very literalist movement. Do they believe in global warming? That's a tough one. Well, global warming, certainly not. Not global, right. Do you believe in flat <laughs> flatness warming? I've, I've had that like semantic slip up all the time, like talking about right. GPS. I'm like, oh, you don't actually believe in oh, global right. positioning they, system. That's right. They use an FPS. Interesting. <laughs> if they do, I bet they do use their phones to navigate. 
but All I don't the time. know. They have an I explanation mean, for how it works. You know, they 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 live in the same society as us, which is you know strictly globular. So they've got to use a lot of the same tech. Do they believe in climate change? Many do not. I would probably guess that most do not. I haven't pulled them all on it, but um, it's a. Uh, Something that goes hand in hand, I think, with a lot of um, religious literalism is this idea that um, humans can't really fundamentally change the world, that it's in God's control um, and that, you know, we we can't possibly be doing all this ruinous damage to it. So I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a couple explicit uh, anti-climate change or climate change skeptic posts, I would say, in flat earth communities. But it frankly doesn't seem to play a big role with them. Are they anti-Semitic? Not all of them, but enough of them. Um, the unfortunate thing with Flat Earth and a lot of conspiracy theories right now is um, they are very susceptible to older conspiracy structures. We've had anti-Semitic conspiracy theories for centuries and centuries, and, um, you know, Conspiracy theories like to find a scapegoat. They like to find a minority to blame the world's ills on. Um, And that has very historically, in many cases, been Jewish people. So although Flat Earth doesn't need to be anti-Semitic in any way, um, there is a bit of open-endedness to it when you ask who's doing the cover-up, for instance, who benefits. And um, I've met a lot of flat earthers who either out of open vitriol, there's some people who are anti-Semites before they got into flat earth, or out of just sort of passive consumption of lightly coded anti-Semitic text will tell you, you know, they'll say something that's really quite shocking. I want to ask about racism. The So, so many of these conspiracies are racist, but there are at least the most prominent flat earthers, the only celebrities I know of who have espoused flat earth theory. Uh, Actually, there might be a country star, but there was a, what was the rapper's name? B.O.B. or something? And then there were the famous NBA or NFL players Mm -hmm. like uh, Kyrie Irving, who says he retracted it, and Geno Smith, who I may editorialize as a fan of, uh, former fan of the New York Jets, was flat on his back so much, maybe it's understandable that he would be drawn to the theory. But yes, that is my question, the racism of the flat earth community. You know, as with so many of these theories, it doesn't need to be racist and it isn't inherently racist. You know, there are black flat earthers, absolutely. Uh, I've met flat earthers, I think, of every race. But um, again, when these conspiracy theories are so open-ended, they can almost act as a tool for people with ulterior motives. They um, they allow people to cast blame, I think. Um, and so it's not the majority of flat earthers who are openly bigoted, but there is a fringe of them, absolutely. And they uh, will use this theory to promote what I think are very hostile beliefs. And unfortunately, some of them can disguise it well enough that it slips into the more mainstream conserv- uh, conspiracy movement. So what could be done? And it seems like a slippery question because we're talking about what happens to the very, very tiny percentage of people who slip through all the cracks of education, science, and rationality. There's always going to be some leaching out, some imperfections of our education or just our uh, of our education system or just our uh, commitment to rationality. But do you have any insights about this? You know... 
I would say that conspiracy belief is something we're all susceptible to. It's a very natural human thought pattern when we're looking for information, either because we don't have enough information or we don't like the information we're confronted with. We do go looking for these alternate answers. But what I think has proven successful in keeping people grounded in reality are not these antagonistic debates that you'll see on YouTube between a flat earther and a round earther. I don't think those actually change anyone's minds. I think they cause people to dig into their stance, especially when flat earth is part of someone's identity. What I found helps um, is having some kind of human exchange with conspiracy theorists, not just talking about the evidence, but also the emotional needs that that theory provides. And trying to um, replace the community that they're going to lose when they leave Flat Earth. So keeping an open door for people to return. And I know that's not always easy when a claim is completely ludicrous, but giving people space to change their minds and uh, accept reality. Kelly Wheel is the author of Off the Edge, Flat Earthers, Conspiracy Culture, and Why People Will Believe Anything. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks so much, Mike. And now the spiel. Opera news. A new opera to debut tonight and run tomorrow on the campus of John Jay College in New York is about the murder of Emmett Till, a galvanizing moment in the civil rights movement, and as recently as a few weeks ago, a driving force behind federal legislation. But there are a group of protesters who don't want this story of Emmett Till told. It's the alt-right, Confederates, neo-Nazis, no... The protest, which has amassed almost 15,000 signatures, is led by Maya Bishop, a black undergrad at John Jay. I started this petition because Emmett Till, um, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Ayanna Stanley Jones, and all the other black children who have been killed at the hands of anti-black racists are human beings. And their stories, um, they deserve for their stories to center them and their experiences of anti-blackness. And their stories should not be used to explore white allyship, especially through a fictional lens. What's odd is that Maya Bishop doesn't even know who is centered and who is circumferenced because she hasn't seen the opera. The librettist, Claire Koss, describes Mamie Till, Emmett's mother, as one of the main characters, and yes, a white woman like Koss herself, as another main character. Refreshingly, I would say, and maybe a function of her 87 years, Koss has not apologized, but patiently explained that what she wanted to dramatize was the bystander effect, when white community members stay silent. Koss's collaborator, who is the composer of the opera, Mary Watkins, told local station WNBC this. Nobody's seen this opera, and they, people just sort of assumed what Claire was thinking and who she was. They're wrong. I don't know what else to say about it. They're wrong. They are wrong, I think. There is no justification for canceling a work of art without even knowing the content of the art just because one of the creators is a certain race. Mary Watkins, by the way, is black. Now, when I say canceling, it's a flashpoint. It's a third rail. Should we really use the word canceling? Well, the petition is titled Cancel a New American Opera, Emmett Till at John Jay College. Here's how the petition concludes. 
Claire Koss is out of line for taking it upon herself to turn black trauma into entertainment and for exploiting a black tragedy to propel her career and relieve her of her guilt about her whiteness. Stand with me, this is Maya Bishop, the petitioner, urging John Jay College to cancel this play from premiering on March 23rd. John Jay College brands itself as a social justice school and its community as fierce advocates for justice. Its decision to welcome or cancel this play will determine how true that is. The career prospects of an 86-year-old librettist and her octogenarian black collaborator notwithstanding, I wonder why this is news. And it is news. Local TVs covered the petition. NPR covered it today. The Daily News, the New York Post, the Washington Post. Now, when I say, why is this news? I don't actually mean this shouldn't be news, but I wonder what is the reason why people think a relatively popular, but not overwhelmingly so online petition should be something we all pay attention to. If the school really were going to cancel the opera, or were even reported to be seriously considering canceling the opera, that'd be news. The New York Post obviously thinks it's news because it's an example in their staple of coverage, cancel culture gone too far. Part of me thinks that is part of the reason why the local TV stations have judged it to be news, because their audiences would be interested in a petition that goes too far, knowing the demographics of local TV audiences, which aren't, by the way, disproportionately white in a city like New York, but they are a little bit older and they are a little bit more conservative. But I also think a big reason and what WPIX and WNBC sent reporters there is these interviews with the 80-year-old collaborators who wrote the show. That's the sort of feel-good fodder that is typical of local news. Some online publications definitely seem to think the petition raises quite legitimate issues. NPR plays it straight down the middle, interviewing the creative team, as well as Garrett McQueen, a musician and a member of the group Black Opera Alliance, which put out a statement saying, quote, we denounce the telling of this historic story by a white woman and from a white vantage point. McQueen to NPR concludes with these words. This opera at the end of the day isn't in itself a solution or progress which I have never before heard as a standard for allowing or disallowing the existence of art. And that's it for today's show. Corey Wara is the GIST's assistant producer. Joel Patterson is the GIST's senior producer. Michelle Pesca is the coloratora of Peachfish Productions. The Gist is presented in collaboration with Lipson's AdvertiseCast. For advertising inquiries, check out advertisedcast.com slash the gist. Umpru depru dupru, and thanks for listening. <laughs>